Hello, and thank you for tuning in again to 442 FM. Uh, today, talk about an underwhelming three-man defence. We've got an underwhelming three-man pod. Um, no Constant Acostas today, um, but filling in very nicely, Joey Cruz. Um, we're talking Socceroos, we're talking the first round of the A-League, and we've got a Socceroo bombshell coming up now. Hello, I am your host, Adam Jackson, and with me, Kevin Ayres. Hello. And Joey Cruz. Adam, Kevin, good to be here. How are we doing, fellas? So, we had an absolute bombshell this morning um, in Ange. Kev, Yeah. what's happened? Apparently, um, he is uh, taking his ball and going home. He's had enough of the media backlash, pressure, social media outrage, and is leaving at in November, presumably after the uh, CONCACAF game, um, for destinations unknown. We can only imagine he's probably got himself lined up a nice little number, having showcased his abilities with a back three. Did, um, did Ange uh, um, single you out with a name check of, as, in terms of media? Um, I'm, I'm waiting for it. I've yet to see the transcript <laughs> of any press conference, but I'm hoping that uh, there may be some acknowledgement of the part I played in his downfall. God, me too, actually. Yeah. I'm sure that some of my uh, less than stellar content was uh, was responsible for that. But, I mean, I, you would think that after dealing with all of the pressure of, of actual like coaching and qualifying that a few sarcastic, well, a few hundred thousand sarcastic tweets would bring about, would bring about his downfall. I guess that's... It's it's disappointing that he singled that out as as part of as part of the reason. I mean, but the, what really really annoys me about this whole thing with Ange for the past six months or so is he came in with the key objective of raising the level of debate about football in this country. He wants to move away from personalities and he wants to get people talking about tactics and st- strategy. And that's what we've been trying to do. And we disagree with him on a strategy. We want him to explain to us why he's why that's the hill he's prepared to die on. And he's not engaging. And as a result, it's getting angry and people are getting frustrated on social media and the media is getting frustrated at, you know, a, a campaign to qualify that has pretty much imploded over the last six months because of these strategic, specific decisions that he's made. Um, I mean, uh, while he's blaming the media and blaming social media, I think, you know, you also have to look at Aaron Moy getting dropped to the bench yesterday and the way that that came out. We heard, I saw on Twitter that Chris Cahill, Tim Cahill's brother, had mentioned this during the day to somebody else, which was one source of it coming out. Uh, So Tim Cahill obviously was talking to people, to his family about it, and apparently unimpressed. I would be very surprised if Aaron Moy's agents didn't also have a part in uh, making known his unhappiness about the whole thing as well. There's almost a suggestion he may have lost the dressing room, you know, uh, or maybe he hasn't yet, but was perhaps on the way to losing the dressing room. If he's making these kind of decisions that alienate players, our best players in the team, uh, how long can you carry on with a, a strategy that isn't working? And I guess my thing is that um, it's not going to get any better no matter where else he goes to coach, really. It's not as though the media and social media will just magically disappear or change their approach to um, you know how he how he coaches his teams. It's in fact the, the spotlight might even be more intense because he <laughs> has been a national team coach. So if he takes up another job, and I'm, I'm obviously assuming he will be, I hope he doesn't just think it's just going to magically get better. No, I mean it's, this is so, probably the easiest ride he's probably going to get yeah. as a as a mm. coach. Especially uh, the national team. If you think about the head coaches of the national teams in in Australia, like probably the Socceroos gets the least media attention and uh, so yeah if if, if you go to somewhere you know well I've been frantically googling Greece national team just because that was something that was kind of touted around when he was talking about wanting to go and um, coach overseas Um, but you know know, if if he went somewhere like that or any other national national team it's going to be it's going to be as worse if not not worse. Yeah, well, I mean, on social media for football, there's what maybe a couple of tens of thousands of people who follow. Maybe ten percent of those actively contribute, and maybe 
what even 10% of that are the ones who are probably vocally, I guess, um, disapproving. And yeah, of course, not the, the, the discourse. I know, I know Ange had a noble, you know, plan to, to raise the level, but no, this is social media. The, the social media doesn't do that. Social media <laughs> is the great equalizer where, you know, you find the person, you, the, the lowest common denominator, and everyone gets dragged down there eventually. <laughs> I, I, I that, should, that's I, usually you or me. It's usually, it? yeah. yeah, yeah. I, was, I, was, I was literally about to say it's usually me. That's, that's part of the problem there. But. Yeah, I mean, if he goes somewhere else, if he goes to a, a country with, you know, a couple of hundred million people and they're all football fanatics, you know... What's I mean, can, can you imagine him in the hot seat in the England job? Oh. I mean, if he's getting upset by what he's seeing or hearing and feels he's being undermined in Australia by it, oh. good God. Some of those some of those English, you know, satire football sites are brutal, you oh, know? They're absolutely and, and so, like, what's going to happen when he gets to one of them? Uh, I don't know. I just... I'd like to think there's more to it than that. You know, he has been in the job for a few years and he has, you know, he achieved World Cup qualification. He achieved the Asian Cup and that's great. Uh, um, well, he, you know, he has achieved, you know. He hasn't achieved World Cup qualification though, has he? Well, not... He inherited World Cup qualification. Mm, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Um, a Asian Cup at the very least, but yeah, yes. it's just... Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I, Asian Cup was a massive high in kind of recent football. You know, to, to win it on home soil, uh, home soil was a, a great achievement. Just... The way that he's gone out now, after after qualifying, getting past Syria, you know, there's still a chance of qualifying. He's gonna. It sounds like he's gonna see it through after the the next games. That that, that was what initially. It, I mean, like. that, it says November, so presumably after these yes. next two qualifiers. Do you like? I I read this as Ange is so kind of. Um, Single-minded about his philosophy, and and, and 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 do you think this is him going? It's not me that's wrong. It's the squad. It's the players that I've got. I'm doing everything right. I'm creating these chances. I'm putting them. I'm setting the players out. But if they if, if they if they're going to have 25 shots on goal and and really struggle on scoring against Syria, maybe it's the fault of the players. Maybe I do need to go and prove my my worth elsewhere I, 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 it's if that's true it's a move of arrogance anyway because mm. his job is to bring out the best in the players and the reason that we're getting so many shots on goal if not on target is because we're throwing everything into attack and not and leaving ourselves open in defence and especially in the channels um the fact that we're not converting yes but that's down to also the fact that we're using strikers who We've got a handful of four or five goal scorers there, with the exception of Cahill, don't score more than one in four or five games regularly. So over the course of a game, you'd expect one goal from them. Mm. Um, so that that's why. And we're choosing to not develop uh, Jamie McLaren, for instance, who scored 45 goals in the last two seasons. <laughs> These are decisions that he's making. Uh, and, you know, the... The situations he's created, uh, and there's going to be a backlash against it when it doesn't work out. It's it's just sheer arrogance. He did. It, I've been a huge fan of Ange. He he came in with a great fresh approach. He transformed the side. He brought in the 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 young new faces, not necessarily young, but the new faces we needed to bring in. Uh, he brought the attacking mentality. He created a great legacy, and then he ripped it up and stopped, wanted to create a new one, and the new one's not working. And he's destroyed his old legacy by this attempt to create a new legacy. And it's just arrogance to sit back and say, I will do it my way, uh, even though all the evidence suggests it's not working. So if he's gone, if this was the way things are going to continue, then we probably can do better. I'm, I'm interested by something that you said before about how Andrew was brought into... Um, to kind of make football part of kind of the, the, the national dialogue and and build this Socceroos brand, I was listening to a little bit of SEN radio yesterday talking around the uh, around the Socceroos game, and they were saying that they made a really interesting point where they were talking about forty two thousand at Stadium Australia for ANZ for, for the game last night, which isn't is, isn't that bad a crowd, but it, they were saying how in previous years for games like this, you know, it would be close to a sellout. Is that 
is that because and and they said one of two things that it could be that there isn't a um, there isn't the outside of Cahill I would say and more if you're a football fan there isn't a Viduka a Kuehl that are going to kind of get those peripheral um, sports fans bums on seats and and kind of and the other one is that the actual Socceroo brand itself isn't strong enough to kind of drive an audience without having those big names do you, do you, do you think that's I know a lot of talks been made over the last 13 years about how the A-League has overtaken the Socceroos in terms of, you know, um, you know driving the sport, keeping the sport, um, you know, keeping the cash coming in and that sort of thing. I mean, I don't know. From a, from a fan perspective, I personally, I don't derive any joy from watching the national team because all I get really is you vary between just relief and, and absolute utter, like, you know, pits of despair. Mm. And who wants to actually pay money to go and watch, you know, you know, be, be relieved after, after 90 minutes, you know, you don't, you don't get that same kind of, um, you know, feeling of, of you know, actually enjoying watching it. And that's, that's just me personally, but yeah, I, I was I was thinking about it last night because, of course, social media was talking about the crowd figures and, mm. you know, could it have been higher at Suncorp or, or Etihad or what have you. I, I I personally just don't think watching the national team is is a fun is a fun activity. And given given the premium you pay to go and watch them, um, I, I just think that the the return the return you get out of it. I just don't think it's high enough for a lot of people. And I, I think it is down to the last six months, though, to be honest. I mean, I, I thought the Socceroos prior to about March were exciting, exhilarating, the new breed coming through. They were taking the world by the scruff of the neck, showing them how we played football in Australia. And then we changed, and I keep going back to this, but it was pivotal. We changed the back three and we became sloppy in defence. We were um, uh, emasculated in attack, uh, ineffective in attack. And um, the marketing value of the club, of the, the brand, just disappeared. You know, you, you didn't know what you were going to get. And more than likely, you were probably going to get disappointment because there was a lack of concentration at the beginning of games and at the end of games that inevitably led to either losses or draws uh, in games that we should have been winning. Uh, and people don't want to pay money for that. Sounds like quite a Sydney FC supporter over the last couple of <laughs> years, where yeah, it's 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 exactly that that mindset where where if if you go and you legitimately don't know what the outcome's going to be, and even in games you should be winning, you're scraping a draw, um, or you know even worse, losing. I mean, if, if if that happens again and again over a period of time, like you said, six months, then. I mean, that's it's going to weigh on you every time you see the tickets getting sold. It's going to be like, well, do I want to put myself through that again or should I, mean, I just watch it home? Yeah, I mean, and also you've got this situation where the manager, the coach, is literally at war with both the media and fans and possibly now his players as well. Players. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, look, if he's, if he's going to, if he's going to, um, alienate people. He's doing. He's, he may as well alienate everyone. He may as well go yep, hard or that's go home. It. I mean, he's ticking every box. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so as, as as members of the evil media that 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 drove the national coach away, um, do you think that the expectations placed upon Andrew were too high? I mean, a lot of arguments I've seen where we've gone, oh, we should have been winning versus X, Y, Z. It's because of the quality of the opposition. I mean, is is do do you think the the quality of opposition actually? <laughs> I, I, th I think that's a fair question, actually. And, you know, we've got to look at our place in the general scheme of things. But also, you know, the team that he's got now isn't the same team that he started off with back in 2000, early 2014. Um, he has brought them through. He's given them a showcase. And they have gone on to better things since hmm. then. So now we've got players back in the Premier League uh, Moyes playing regularly in the Premier League. It's very hard to get a regular gig in the Premier League these days. Far harder even than it was when Cahill and Kuehl were there. So, you know, we've got that coming through. We've got Rogic playing at the top level in uh, Scottish Premiership and probably could get a move to the EPL if he wanted to. Um, we've got players playing at a reasonably high level in Europe as well, in the Bundesliga and uh, Holland uh, and even in Spain. Um, we can't fall back on this our players aren't good enough excuse anymore they've developed uh, and I think we have the team that is capable 
at least of getting to the World Cup and should be getting there relatively comfortable in Asia. Uh, the fact that we're scrabbling against Syria for a third place just is mental to me. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, so it sounds like you don't agree with the whole hashtag golden generation discussions on social media. You know, this is the worst, this is the worst squad we've had since the, you know, since X, since XYZ. I don't know. Well, I mean, I think the golden generation were the golden generation. There's hmm. no doubt about that. They were a, a great team, a great side, but they didn't actually achieve anything. They didn't win anything yeah. apart from get to the World Cup. Um, and get to the second. Get, You're get something for that. I know, but you know they had a chance. They had the chance of doing the Asian Cup in 2007. Just failed miserably. The Olympics failed miserably. You know they they didn't do anything. Mm. These guys came through and uh, the first attempt got the Asian Cup under uh, Ange. So you know. The, they're a good squad. They're possibly not as celebrated. Well, they're not as celebrated as the golden generation. They're not maybe... Well, they're certainly, they're not as talented, probably, uh, as the golden generation. But as a unit, they're cap- more than capable of holding their own in this environment. In the and they've shown signs of brilliance in some games. But in, in that respect there, um, the golden generation, have have the squads changed? Or, or have we and our, as a football fan, football fans in Australia changed. Because that golden generation was, the, the big achievement was playing in a World Cup and playing pretty well in 2006. That was, they, you know, they got through to the next round and were unlucky to go out on a, on a dodgy penalty. Um, but you're right, outside of that, they didn't really do anything else. No, and uh, so, to be fair, a lot of them were on the bench in the Premier League then as well. Mm. Um, I mean, you know, Kuehl was injured half the time as well. Exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. Thing. So, so, but, as, but my question there was: Has the the um, the football fans' mentality of what success has changed? Because now, if we if we don't make it to a World Cup, then that's massive failure. Where going back twelve years, just making it to the World Cup was a huge achievement. Mm. So, is it is it harsh to say that this this squad of of players are significantly worse than that golden generation. No, I, I, I see the point you're making. You know that we we've raised our expectations of what we ex- uh, expect from the Socceroos and what we expect them to achieve. Um, but the a lot of variables have changed in the interim as well. You know, um, we've got a different route to the the World Cup. It's in many ways easier. Uh, it's more challenging in some ways, but. Uh, a, the end result is easier to achieve, hopefully. Uh, so, swings and roundabouts. Mm. Um, I, I, I think this current breed have the potential to be an excellent generation of footballers. Um, we had several stars in the side at the same team. Viduka, Kuo, Keo will always be world-class players. Uh, and in terms of who we've got that's world class at the moment, Rogic Moy probably are the nearest we've got. Uh, and to be honest, in terms of world class, it's, it's pretty much daylight after that. Whereas you look at the Matildas, mm. there's more world class players in that side right now. Yeah. Arguably, the Matildas brand is stronger than the Socceroos brand. Oh, I don't think it's arguable at all. Yeah. I think it's true. I think it's absolutely true. I would be almost be surprised if the Matildas couldn't sell out a bigger crowd, potentially, for a competitive match in the same circumstances mm. these days, the way things are. People would probably enjoy that, to be honest. I think people. I, I think. I think that old feeling you used to get when you go to Socceroos games. They've now moved that to the Matildas because the Matildas are producing the results that people want to see. They're producing not only not only the wins, but they're producing the the classy performances. We've got the we've got the Sam Kerrs and all that. You know who actually. Um, actually inspire people actually make the sport fun to watch and again we're getting the results at the same time so shitload of goals always helps though i mean th- that, yeah that is true that is I, true I, I genuinely think the american samoa thing is what we're missing we we need more 13 nil victories and because that, that that's what's going to bring the theater doors in Australians do like results you can't yeah. argue with that so and they, they love seeing goals i mean it's that's why afl so spectacular i mean they yeah. even give goals for misses <laughs> So, so are you championing going back to Oceana? No, 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 <laughs> no, no. 
Well, yeah, no, we would have had to face Argentina, potentially. Yeah. So that would be a really bad thing to do. Yeah. Um, but we don't. We don't have to face Argentina, but we may have to face the US, Honduras, or Panama. Who are um, playing at the moment. Games currently or tonight? Literally at the moment. I think they all kicked off at 11 for the same yeah. time. Mexico is playing Honduras, and I think they were drawing the last time I looked. So um, by the time we come up there... We may know who we're... So we'll be out, we are out of date already, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. no, no facing. Uh, no and, change and, and, there. And, and Ange would have announced where he's going as well. Probably. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I maintain... Uh, I've, I've been doing the thing I normally do whenever some news breaks and I go online and immediately try to undermine everyone you know, with my own opinions. Um, I, I'm thinking he's going to do a straight swap with Arnie and Arnie's going to go into the national team and Ange is going to come to Sydney FC. Yeah. So I... Um, other the only other job you could really take is the Wanderers, but um, no. Nah, given the the rumours or about um, FFA speaking to Arnie earlier earlier this year, I think um, that's that's my conspiracy theory that I'm going to tout <laughs> yeah. and be proven, whether be proven right or proven wrong, either way. So yeah, I think it's, you've got more chance of being proven wrong than that one. That's fair. You know, <laughs> I'm happy. I'm happy with that. Yeah. So the ruse live to fight another day. Um, Just a score update. Uh, Panama is losing to Costa Rica. Honduras is losing to Mexico, which means at the moment we'd be playing Honduras, Honduras which I'd be quite happy with. Either. Yeah. yeah. If we can avoid the US, I think that is the... USA are losing to Trinidad um, and Tobago, though, uh, curiously. Hmm. So all, all losing. Um Actually, if Panama and Honduras can pull off wins and USA still loses, we still play USA. If Panama and Honduras turn their games around. Yeah, true. So, yeah, everything to play for, mm. um, etc. Et we are going to chat A-League after this little break um, when we caught up with some of the guys at Fox and they talked us through uh, some of their predictions from, from the games uh, for the, the season coming up and we spoke to Tara about their new show Just for Kicks on a Thursday night coming up after this break. Here with Bozza and Adam Peacock. Firstly, Adam. How does it feel? <laughs> how does it how does it feel to be the number one Adam presenter on a podcast in the A League? Well, <laughs> I fear that I might get taken over very, very soon <laughs> if we don't uh, keep sharp. Um, no, it's good talking about football, and it's great to be talking about football once again uh, mm. endlessly. And I look forward to it with my old mate over here each and every week. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> my special friend. <laughs> how, how do you feel about not getting the call up for just for kicks? Me, Boz? For what? Just for kicks, the Thursday night show. Oh, okay. Um, or, or will you be making an appearance? Some, uh, no, some no, no, no appearances. No, 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 no. appearance. No, no. Um, well, that's not our decision. It's above our pay grade. Yeah. <laughs> well, I got. Um, I'm doing the odd interview for it that we've done in the preseason, yeah, and also, yeah, yeah. um, my daughter has done an interview with Graham Arnold. Oh, right, nice. Seeing Arnie won't talk to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. At least one member from the Peacock family has gone in there and uh, got some hard-hitting answers out of him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you reckon he's going to be happy this season, Arnie? Yeah, of course he will. Yeah, I thought he was happy last season. That, that played a massive part in the way that they played and, and, and their victories. I'm talking about Arnie and his, and his hay fever, which I, I, wasn't, I wasn't aware of. Well, I don't this think is. anyone was aware of besides <laughs> him and his very close family, i.e. Robbie Slater. <laughs> <laughs> So if, uh, that that was uh, the reason why Arnie is so grumpy is because he's, he has a hay fever at the start of the season or the the start of spring. Yeah, I think I think it's because he's I think it's because his um, guts are in knots about figuring out what exactly is going to happen with this season. But if a guy's going to be settled before an A League season, mm-hmm. given that in the A League you got so much turnover of personnel and in Western Sydney Wanderers um, case coaches. Um, He's got such a settled squad. Ninety percent of the squad returns from last year. Mm. Uh, he doesn't have to change too much, does he, Bozzer? In terms of getting, just get that one two percent extra out of his team. Well, I was going to say that you got to improve at least at least two to five percent every year, even when you win it, or else you're going to stagnate and stay the same, and people are going to overtake you. But I think that sign of uh, of the Polish boy Majewski. Mm. Uh, I think he's an, he's an absolute gem. We saw him against Melbourne City in the FA Cup. He, he looked the goods, um, but. Arnie came out, Graham Arnold came out and said yesterday at the Sydney FC launch that he thought the team had, had improved. 
Um, and that's all very well. They may have done, but they've still got a lot to live up to because that team last season was one of the great A-League teams that I've seen since I've been back in the country. They won the double. So um, the, the pressure is on them. And retaining a title, as I know, I, I played in a team that had to retain their title in the Premier League. Mm. It's very difficult because every week the crosshairs are on you because everyone wants to beat the current champions. Since he's been back in the country, by the way, he loves saying that. He's just got to quantify it by saying since he's been back in the district. I'll be saying that for another day. I like it because it makes me chuckle every time. Um, keeping on Sydney for a minute, um, Brandon O'Neill and Josh Brilliante, a bit of a surprise package of the the centre mid, how they became, and, and it was said earlier today that arguably the best two centre mids in the in the country. Like, did did you did you kind of see that coming like, like, last year? I, I didn't. I don't think they were gonna. I don't think themselves realised they were gonna have the season they were gonna have. But yeah. the, the template was there in terms of what we've seen in, in little bits and pieces with both of them. But that is how you need to set up in the A League. You need legs in the middle of the park. Yeah. You, you'd agree because of the travel, the hard grounds. If you don't have legs, you don't have guys that can cover thirteen k's a, a game. You're in huge trouble. And those guys do it mm. so well. Yeah, and that's why I, I thought they would do very very well. And especially the way that Graham Arnold sets up. Um, and like Adam just said, he's 100% right. If you speak to all the foreign players and even foreign you know, foreign people who come and watch the game and, and, and who know about the A-League and when they assess players for how they will do if they come to Europe, one of the most uh, redeeming features that comes out is the fact that you do need legs. Mm-hmm. Even though it's played in the summer, um, the, the, the A-League is a very physical league. Um, so... Uh, and I'm actually proud of that, and you know, because you know, it's so important around the world now how mobile you are. You're only going to get so many, you know, well, so many. You're probably going to get one or two teams like Barcelona who can play like they do and have done for so long. But even those teams, regardless of what anyone says to you or thinks, they are super fit as well. And the fact, like I said, that, that we do play in the summer and they can sustain that type of pace, it's a tribute to the fitness coaches all around the league and also the players as well. Mm. So, in terms of um, the European players or European-based players coming and playing back in the A League, uh, Bozza, what, what what sort of advice do you give uh, to them in terms of like how they adjust? Uh, yeah, don't, the number one, don't underestimate it, mm. uh, and, and number two, be patient. We saw Milos Ninkovic in his first season struggle a little bit yeah. um, because, like I said, I think a lot of people come down with a preconceived idea about the you know Australian football in the A League, and uh, th- that may have been true. 20 years ago or so when we were part-time, but now they're full-time. A lot of these boys have been full-time all their life. So when the A-League first started, Mm. you had a lot of these boys who were 13, 14, 15, who then straight away went into professional clubs where in the past that didn't happen. And it makes a huge difference, you know, when you've been professional for for all your life than when you all of a sudden just pick it up after being part-time. So those two things really, from a simple perspective, are the most important things. Do not underestimate it and be patient. Uh, Adam, surprise package of the season? (laughs) Oh, um, geez, that's a rough question. I, I really looked a lot like the look, and it might be so much of a surprise because he's played thirty times for his country. Um, that being Algeria, the, the nation of his parents' birth. But uh, Karim Matmore, he, like mm. anyone that tries Rabona to try and score a goal when yeah. he can easily just take a shot, he's got something about him. <laughs> so, Macklemore, Mac- he's, he's saying Mac- the rugby league grand final. Macklemore. Oh, Macklemore. Sorry, Macklemore. <laughs> the French player, Macklemore. Yeah. <laughs> oui, oui. Bonjour. Uh, I think. Um, this guy from Adelaide, he, he could be your, your next Bruce, your next Borussia. Um, if he gets a, a lot of things need to go right for it to happen. Adelaide need to have a decent season. He needs to acclimatise, which I've, I've heard he, he loves Adelaide. He's moved out here with his wife, so he's settled in his, his family life. So many of these foreigners come out and they leave their loved ones behind, and that's that's rough. Mm. That's really hard. So it um, sounds like he's settled, and if Adelaide have a good season, I reckon this guy's going to be central to it. So Adam Peacock's voted yes for Mclemore. Yes. There you go. Absolutely. And, and my well, – not – Shock because I don't think it'll be a shock, but my stand up is I think they'll actually finish first past the post as Adelaide in general. Mm. Um, for me, probably with the exception of Sydney, um, so I thought Sydney's performance against Melbourne City in the FA Cup was excellent, um, but they've been the standout team in, in the early games that I've seen in the FFA Cup, and I actually think that, that they will win the Premier's plate. Mm. <laughs> Um, so, do you think there are any big surprises apart from that coming up this season? Uh, Say big surprises. Look, I, I it wouldn't put it this way. It wouldn't surprise me if there were big surprises, because we've got so few sides, and because they're so familiar with each other. By the time they play each other for the third time, these things can happen, uh, and especially early on in the season, you've got a lot of teams with a lot to prove, and that's always dangerous as well. So you've got Newcastle, you've got a lot to prove after last season. You've got Central Coast with a lot to prove, and those type of teams they're usually very, very dangerous. For me, Wellington have got a lot to prove as well, but you don't know with Wellington because they're so far away. 
They're a little bit of an unknown quantity. So especially early on, those are the times where those sides could get off to a really, really good start. And if they do get off to that start, it usually augurs well for the rest of the season for them. What who said? <laughs> um, oh, big surprise. There'll be an Australian kid that has a great season in the – and I don't know who. There's a few there that'll have a great season in the A-League and they'll be like Mark Milligan in, in 2006. They'll make the World Cup squad, provided, of course, we make the World Cup. And that's another question, another discussion for another day. But Andrew's showing it. He'll, he'll pluck someone. And if uh, if a kid that we're not talking about so much now has a good season. Do a Mark Milligan runner from the club as well? Yeah, well, <laughs> strange for <three years. laughs> No. Uh, boys, thank you very much. And watch every game live on Fox Sports. Cheers, guys. And in simulcast as well on uh, Channel 10, which will be simulcast as well with Fox Sports on a Saturday night. There we go. Mark Bosnich on free to air television. That's what Australia is. <laughs> <laughs> so we're here with Tara Rushton. Tara, thanks for chatting to us. Yeah, thanks for coming this morning. Um, what's it like working with um, Robbie and Bozzer and, uh, and the boys there? As you can imagine, uh, it can be the most joyous thing ever. It can be like your favourite breakfast with smashed avo, or it can also be like a really bad bowl of muesli. Um, <laughs> it's one of those things where it really, it really peaks <laughs> and troughs. I, I love these guys so much. Honestly, they offer yeah. something so different. I think what makes it work is that they're very different, defined personalities. They have very different backgrounds. Um, some think they're funnier than others. Some are really loud, and some are quieter than others. And it's an interesting dynamic because sometimes you have the loud person walk into the room and the other loud person quietens down. So, Just for Kicks is their new show that starts on Thursday, which is, um, it'll be on every Thursday from 8pm, Eastern Daylight Time, and that's a mix of, it's Robbie Slater, Archie Thompson and Daniel McBreen. The three of us, four of us, including myself and our producer, we're already on a group chat. Mm-hmm. And already it started. So it's kind of like, what have you seen? You know, it'll be something like news in numbers. It's our new segment that we have on the show. What number uh, is interested you with regards to a football game? And everyone kind of sends in their submissions. And straight away it's like, poo emoji. That's crap. That's not funny. Is that all you've got? Who does your research for you, a three-year-old? You know, it's things like this. So... Before you even come in to do your pre-production meeting and get on air, mm. the banter is a little bit it's it's pretty loose, but I guess <laughs> that's what makes it what it is. We all love football and you know, especially those guys are still heavily involved and still play mm. and it's kind of bringing a little bit about of of their background and their knowledge, but it's also so much to do with personalities, you know, I mm. Love watching them both play in the A-League because I feel like, you know, whether it be McBreen kind of camera bombing in the back of the sheds or Archie with his corner flag and his hairstyles, you know, you just, they're, they're icon, they're iconic, they're characters and you kind of fall in love with these guys because they, it's really hard not to. They play with a massive smile on their face and, mm. uh, they play with passion. So it's, um, yeah, we're a bit of a mixed bunch, but we yeah. make it work. So I, I feel I, I feel like Archie is the uh, and 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 uh, Daniel are the kind of comedy duo. Um, it, it, so is Robbie the, playing the straight man? Is he the? So this is that's kind of scary thought. <laughs> <laughs> the straight narrow. Well, this is the thing. It's really interesting because during the season last year, we had different people on the couch, and it was really a matter of going who gets along with each other really well and who brings the best out of each other. Archie's one of those people that will turn up, ask you who's playing, tell you he hasn't watched any games, <laughs> right, and then sit on a couch and just completely fly by the seat of his pants but say things that are so endearing and funny and you're like, what, like where did that come from? <laughs> and I guess, you know, Robbie last year when he was on the Thursday version of Shootout, I – um. I definitely, our relationship and rapport built and mm. we kind of, as a duo, and I've worked with him in the FFA Cup, that was something that really stuck like glue. So, it was kind of like Robbie and I, the glue, and it's about who could kind of work around the two of us. And Danny McBreen's got fantastic banter. Yeah. He, he really does. And that's something that you, you know, you basically say something in the green room and you're like, oh, yeah, and that goal, and he's got, he's already, he's like flying something at you, like just trying to put you down. You're like, oh, oh my God, like I, I don't even, I haven't even sipped my coffee yet. Like where did that come from? So it's something, you know, people are funny and you can't um, contrive that. It's just something really natural that happens. And I find Robbie Slater, albeit being um, grumpy sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I laugh a lot when Robbie's around. He yeah. makes me laugh at situations I probably shouldn't laugh at. <laughs> so I think it's just a really good balance that somehow mm. 
works, you know, but we did go through a process of we had, you know, a revolving panel pretty much last year, every every episode. So mm-hmm. it gave us the opportunity as well to see, you know, there were players that were best mates on the couch that maybe the in-jokes didn't work as well, but just having yeah, a little yeah. bit of a different perspective. Yeah, Robbie Slade is pretty Sydney FC. Archie Thompson's pretty Melbourne victory, yeah. uh, which also makes it really interesting. And, you know, McBreen's also, you know, represent a lot of clubs here from Glory, Mariners, yeah. Experience overseas, so it's it's like a really nice mix. Yeah. Um. So, w- what about you? Did, did do you play? Did you play? <laughs> what, what, yeah. Yeah. I um for the last couple of years, I was playing in the local league in Lindfield, which is that way. And then I was playing, <laughs> pointing in for, a general direction. Yeah, and then I was it playing. Really translating. I know. Podcast, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just forgot. So, uh, <laughs> so I played for two local clubs, like kind of on the North Shore, Shore area. I was playing for Linfield, and I, mm-hmm. I coined the name the Linfield Lemurs, and then Gordon nice. the Gordon Geckos. Um, <laughs> I'm rubbish, so w- without a doubt, just just pretty. You know, it's one of those things when you go out in the park and you go, oh, my gosh, yeah, I am that fit. Like, in your mind, you've got a montage of yourself, like slide tackles, amazing strikes, 20-meter volleys, and then you get out there and I'm 33 and you've got a 16-year-old that's marking you and they are basically schooling you. And at that point in time, you're, like, pushing people out of the way because you're so frustrated that you are 10 times slower than you anticipated (laughs) and 10 times crapper in your head than you anticipated. But I made sure that I never wore Larry boots. It's something that Mike Cockrell was always about. Larry Boots, good player. Black Boots, plain boots. You know, don't have people looking at your feet if you're rubbish. Yeah. And I, I, I really took that on board. I, I, I completely understand that. I, we've had a couple of games uh, videoed of, of me playing, and I'm like, am I that fat? Like, yeah. in real life, is that what? Is that what I actually look like? And then you're like, and then you turn around, and I go, oh, that's a big bald spot. Oh, oh dear. I like. It. <laughs> is that my physique? That's not yeah. me. That's someone's dad. Oh no. my god. Yeah. That is very funny, actually. Um, uh, what position were you? I was oh, playing. You're not so playing now. I was right? a bit of a utility so it was kind of two-pronged attack then it was wing then I was a defender and I just for a while there was just bombing up and down the right hand side yeah Yeah, I'm not sure if it was nice but I you know I couldn't play every game because of work so I usually I was really happy just to come on for five to ten minutes within two minutes I was already putting my hand up and the girls that Mm. were younger than me in in the team we had a really mixed bunch from about 18 to 36 37 and these girls were playing with massive hangovers having little mini spews before we got on and I'm there not drinking, going, I'm out, like, I've got a stitch, like I am, I'm done, guys. Yeah. You know, so I, yeah, kind of. The cameos. The cameo. The cameo I mean, the yeah. cameo just come on, a couple of runs. Exactly. Yep. Well, probably off the beach as well. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> so was uh, was playing your intro into, into football or were you a fan first? No, fan first. So playing was more, um, I don't know, like a means to kind of be social as well. Like I've actually loved meeting a new bunch of girls, which I found really fun. Uh, but I have kind of lived all over the shop, but did about four years in London, uh, did a gap year, took a gap year, I should say, or did one as well, actually, um, when I was just 17 and graduated, moved back to London uh, after starting my studies and lived in London for another three years and moved to Singapore and ended up working for the now rights holder of the Premier League. So I worked for Singtel Mio, who are Optus, and worked on the Premier League for three years. They're hosting a, a live roundup, so review preview or preview review show that ran for an hour uh, every weekend. And that was kind of my introduction. I, I did, in a way, kind of fall into it um but it was a little bit right place right time but also i'd you know i had a british boyfriend at the time and i'd lived in the uk so it wasn't so foreign to me to be like no mate you know i only watch afl and rugby league um but yes that did definitely open the door and it's something that i you know an opportunity that i took with both hands and um the, the time of the Premier League games were a lot more forgiving over there than than here. So, uh, yeah, that was kind of my life. That was my main source of income and, and writing, um, like even working with the guys from 442 over there. Yeah. Um, so, how did you fall into it? Like, so you, you weren't working in TV in, in England or were you? So, you know, in the UK I was more like production um, working with Bebo. 
which okay. is like a real throwback. And I was actually doing an online series Bebo with them. was in like the social media. Can you remember that? Wow. So, so old school. Gosh. It's like MySpace. Yeah, that's a blast in the past. So I yeah. um, was on like an online drama series with like working with Ralph Little from Two Pints of yeah, Lager yeah, and a Packet of Crisp. Little. And who, yeah. yeah, so we worked together for two years. And then I worked in production for Bebo. So I was working okay. for the show went on Bebo. Um, and then... Well, I studied journalism and had a journalism diploma and a BA major in media and comm and, mm-hmm. you know, done some commercials, acting, all of that jazz. So, when I was in Singapore, yes, I was doing a bit of everything. I was pretty much writing for a lot of magazines, but also got opportunities by, you know, working with editors and covering certain stories. You just meet more people mm-hmm. and opportunities to audition for certain programs came up. So, yeah. yes, I was covering football and then doing a lot of... um also doing entertainment and travel and and a bit of a mix, but predominantly football was like the regular, you know, I worked every season. So, um, it, you know, the path wasn't exactly, you know, people like, why do you love sport or why do you, you know, I can't, I've, I've got to be honest, like, you know, people still tend to ask females like, why, mm. like, why Fox Sports? Do you really watch that much sport? Why do you love yeah, sport? Yeah. Did you watch it growing up? Was it your father growing up? And I think it's a really it's a really backdated and old school mm. question because Absolutely. sport is sport. It's not gender specific. Yeah. So, mm. and I don't think it matters whether you fall in love with it when you're four years old or whether you fall in love with it when you're 21 years old because mm. someone's had a profound influence on you or you've watched something or you've gone to the game with an ex or a partner. But I, yeah. I definitely think that my, you know, my journey into it wasn't linear. But, um, yeah, I, I ended up here, doors opened, and I, I really wanted to stay in the pocket that I was in because I, I loved what I was doing. So, it, you know, it definitely opened my eyes. And definitely being in Southeast Asia, being Singapore and traveling a lot through Malaysia and Indonesia, they are football mad, mm. um, football crazy. And, yes, they support all it, – it's quite – you know, they tend to support the Manchester Uniteds, the Arsenals, yeah, yeah, Liverpool yeah. predominantly. But still – you know, you'd have the games played, you'd have the supporters clubs, you'd rock up and there's hundreds of people there with their partners wearing Arsenal kit, wearing Arsenal jerseys, you know, watching the games and just hanging out together. And it was really nice because you're somewhere in a little pub in stinking hot Asia and this is, you know, this is how you're enjoying the game with each other. So, you know, from there to watching the uncles at the Hawker stands with the TV on, you know, it was a really, it, it cuts through, you know, cuts through wherever you are, so... So, so you had your, you plied your trade overseas. You, you, yeah. uh, you, you had a, a few seasons abroad, and yeah. now you've come back as a, an overseas Aussie and uh, and doing your A League stint now. Yeah, exactly right. Well, yeah. I worked with PJ Roberts, um, who had played for Perth Glory as well. So I, he was basically, and he still works and lives in Singapore. He's a great guy, mm. but also, you know, was like telling me a lot about the A-League and the opportunity came up, to be completely honest, because I hadn't lived here for four years. Mm. I hadn't gotten the opportunity to watch a lot of football at that point in time. So, definitely, it was a baptism of fire when I when I first came home. Yeah. But um, Did you Archie Thompson and just sort of fly by the... You just, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, you sink or swim and <laughs> it's one of those things, it's kind of like... You either dust yourself off and keep going, um, or you let it, you know, or you, or you let it take it with you, which can be a, a, a bad, you know, direction. But I, it was a massive challenge, and I, I'm not one to back down at all. So I, I thought this is it. I want to learn more. I want to know more. Um, so I, as much as you know, it was frightening at times. because you always feel like you need to know more. You need mm. to know more. You can never know enough. There's yeah, more yeah. stats. There's more players. There's the coaching that you know, formations, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, the history. Um, but then I just had to realize as well, no one will ever know um, the mm. same amount as you. It's really impossible. But then, you you know, you're also your own worst critic. So, yeah. you know, it's about being a little bit easier on yourself as well. Mm. There has been a huge growth in you as a presenter over the past few years. It's It's been really, really impressive. Bloody hope so, guys. Um, <laughs> otherwise, I probably wouldn't have a job, to be honest. <laughs> but, you know, it's like anything. You kind of – it becomes – it becomes your life. Like, it's that immersive and you can't – yeah, yeah. So you you have to live and breathe it. I think it, but you have to love it and be passionate about it to live and breathe it, and not dip in and dip out. Because I think people that are sports fans can see through that, mm. because yeah. I can see through that. So I, th- I think that's you know just being true to who you are, and also you know loving what you do if you can, and doing the work. Like you've got to do the work. Yeah. So who do you sing for then? <laughs> See, the thing is, as soon as you say that, it's like you just hear the chant in your head straight away. Um, so, I just had to take a break for a second. Uh, I'm a Perth girl when it comes to the A-League. Um, so, 
I have a soft spot for them. It's it's really interesting because when you are based in New South Wales, you tend to also then it's all the teams based in New South Wales that you have a lot of face-to-face time with. You know, mm-hmm. it's like you end up kind of building – you don't build close relationships with, but it's easier to interview certain players. It's interviewed a certain, certain coaches because they see you. They know that you're coming as opposed to um, interstate travel. But this season it will change. I'll be at every Saturday game, which I, I like that more. You get so much interesting mail – um, and the feeling and what's going on when you're out at the games that you don't get in studio mm. you, you, and, and you're getting news as well just by being around it, just by watching what Graham Arnold does when he walks out of that tunnel, out of the mm. halftime talk. Sometimes it's that goal where you follow them out and you can see who he's talking to and what instructions he's giving and that's like incredibly beneficial when you're trying to tell people at home what's going on. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know. I, I, Perth is, you know, I'm like, ah, Perth. And it's awesome that Sam Kerr is also a Perth girl and, you know, she's just an absolute superstar. But, yes, I am an Arsenal fan as well from uh, living in that direction when I, you know, first yeah. went – my second stint in London because my first stint was Shepherd's Bush. Don't ask me about that. <laughs> Are you in the Van Gogh out camp? Oh. I have these really elongated conversations about Arsene Wenger and – I really feel like he needed to go because I also thought that if we were going to lose our best players and they were going to be going like outwardly, I want to leave, mm. um, that that's not a good look and that we're in trouble because you've got to want to play for your coach. The concern is like anything, or who replaces him, who will actually be willing to come. Mm. Um, so it's dis- like it's super disappointing. It's really disappointing. So, so staying on um, on coaches, but uh, bringing it back to the A League. Like, if you had the choice to speak to one coach, um, as you or, or who, who do you like speaking most most to in terms of the A League coaches? <laughs> this could be controversial. <laughs> this could be really controversial. Um, you know who I find incredibly endearing, and this isn't my Perth bias, is Kenny Lowe. Mm-hmm. Um, he he's you know when the camera's off. He when the camera's on, he's incredibly funny yeah. and endearing, but also. Um, He's a really lovely, intelligent, interesting man. And, you know, I've met his partner as well off the pitch. But as, as well as that, you know, they're all really good when the camera's not in their face and you're picking up what they're saying on the sound effects mic. You know, mm. sometimes they forget. Um, <laughs> also, Ernie Merrick, you know, he's calmed down so much. He, You know, he was victory days. It was it was a different um, different cell. Just he's a lovely, he's a lovely, lovely guy. I mean, this isn't to say that, you know, Kevin or um, – Popper wasn't like that or Graham Arnold wasn't like that at all. Mm. Um, I think we just got romantic because the lights just kind of went <laughs> off or that could also be like it's time to go home. Um, it probably is. But, you know, most coaches are really are really great to talk to. But it's usually when you get them in the moments where it's not it's not post-game. Mm. There's a lot of emotions oh, going absolutely. on, you know, and they're pretty yeah, much yeah. like, Tara, what now? I've got to ask you a really blaringly glaring obvious question you know yeah, you yeah, yeah. your defense your back forward didn't work or yeah. you don't have a recognized striker what are you going to do about that they're like get out of my face you, yeah. you're asking me a question that i'm dealing with right yeah, yeah. right now so that's, and i might not know the answer that's exactly so, right yeah. you know um so yeah they're all re- they're all really really you know really really lovely guys so um yeah. but you know i've just had some you just have some really interesting conversations when the camera is off with with a lot of them because you're talking about you know you're not talking just about football you're talking about life like you're talking mm. about what they did on the weekend or what they like to eat for breakfast with their family and yeah. you know movies that they like to watch and things like that mm. Tara um, uh, thank you very much for chatting to us that's okay um, tell, us, tell us a little bit about how we how we see you and um, uh, and maybe a little bit about the just, just for Kicks if anyone's not seen it yeah right so the new show uh, Just for Kicks it starts well it will have started by the time it this goes up I believe yeah. so Just for Kicks is on every Thursday night at 8pm Eastern Daylight Time 7pm Eastern Daylight Time when we run into a live A-League game. It's myself, Archie Thompson, Daniel McBreen and Robbie Slater. We have a live audience. We're giving away a Hyundai. Um, you've got a chance to basically kick the kick the ball in the bin, which is in a goal. Um, and we'll be giving away a car at the end of the season, which is super exciting. We'll have great guests, some really funny items that we've gone out to shoot pre-season. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a light take of football from around the world, not just Australia. We'll cover all bases and, you know, Friday – Saturday, Sunday, Monday night, we've got you covered on Fox Sports because we've got, you know, coverage on every night, live coverage, no ads, HD, shootouts back with Ned, Cozzy, Bozza, which is the same gang, but I love those guys. I, you know, we have so much fun together. And then the A-League Hour, which is a new show on Monday nights as well. So, yeah. I mean, it's it's all coming hard and fast, really. Yeah. Get your fix of football That's at right. Fox Sports every day of the week. Uh, Tara, thank you very much. Thanks so much. Thank you. So let's chat A League surprises. 
And the biggest one for me, the Jets sitting top of the league. We said it. We said they were the team to watch out for in, in last week's pod, but did we expect them to be a 5-1 surprise? Uh, nope. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it shows that... Uh, that's what happens when you uh, when you heckle a striker who leaves you to go to your um, go to your rivals with a tifo, and then he comes and scores a hat trick against you. So, yeah, I don't think they're going to make that mistake again. Tifo uh, that was really quite poor. I mean, it's a good Simpsons reference, but yeah, I didn't even get it. I had to have it explained to me. Yeah, apparently O'Donovan saw the tifo, and his response was, uh, "Wow, that's a really good looking snake." <laughs> and that was the only feedback that was received. But yeah, um, the I got to say the crowd that they actually um, that actually turned out for the game was amazing. It was over twelve thousand people. Mm. Um, more than uh, for the Melbourne City yeah, game, apparently. More than yes, more than <laughs> Melbourne City, apparently. Yes, no, they um, the, the city um, yeah, the city only got nine thousand people. It was originally almost ten, and then they revised it down by a thousand a few days later, just to rub. Oh, really? Just to rub a seagull <laughs> on the wound. So yeah, it was. Um, yeah, when when we saw the the um, Central Coast Stadium was was packed, it was it was actually really good to see them getting mm, a crowd yeah. for a change, and, um, and they were rewarded with a brilliant game. Maybe, well, not not, not, not the home so fans, no, no, no. for the. Well, yeah, it was, must have been heartbreaking because Mariners were leading one nil, and um, you know, a, a hashtag Paul O'Con's a genius, and then O'Donovan yeah. comes in and just absolutely ruins the party for them. So <laughs> it must have been a really nice four minutes of, uh, of, of thinking. <laughs> oh yes, yeah. this season's going to be very different. This is our season. <laughs> yeah. Four minutes of optimism, which is like, in fairness, more optimism than Mariners fans have had for the last couple of years. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Oh, looking yeah. at those four minutes. Then. <laughs> to be fair, though, I mean, it wasn't a five-one game. You know, I, I, the Mariners were in it all the way through. It was just that they never took the chances, and Jets took every single chance that they got and uh, converted. Um, I thought the Mariners looked very good. They're going to be very dangerous this season. I can see them both, the Jets and Mariners, being finals contenders this year, without a doubt. Well, uh, yeah, according to the stats, Mariners 64% possession. Mariners had 20 shots, five on target, to, to Jets at 11 and seven on target. Yep. So, so I mean, they literally got five, five, seven. five from seven. They Ocon, just Ocon, like with with stats out, Ocon's maybe lining himself up for a soccerous kick. <laughs> <laughs> you jest, but <laughs> yeah. um, the media's already at work. We just won't learn, will we? That'll be a rig exclusive by the end of the day. <laughs> um, we, we touched on City opening game of the season. And an underwhelmer. I think that it's part and parcel, probably, of the A League marketing campaign this year. You know, I think everyone was expecting, come the clear air after the the finals and everything else, we would get some kind of marketing blitz. I think we got a few bus stop shelter pictures and uh, posters, and that was it. Yeah, there's one. At, there's one at St. Leonard Station. You know, so they forked out for that, but it was pretty quiet. Pretty quiet. It felt like it only went live the week before the start of the season. Well, I, I think I still think that's the best time to do it because you, you're wasting your time before that. People can't buy tickets apart from season tickets uh, and go and see something that weekend. You're throwing money away, to be honest. You really want a big, big budget blitz that last week before the season starts uh, and really attack on all fronts, and they just didn't. There was nothing. Um, Bus stop shelters, posters just aren't going to cut it in this day and age. That's just not cut through. But is this, like, it, there's got to come a point where the A-League thinks we're, we're big enough to not have to, to move our... Up. So they'll almost, this is the ridiculous thing for me, is that they're willing to push it back to a weekend that's got international games... So hopefully, as the as, as the league grows, you'll have more players on international um, duty. So that's the opening weekend is even worse. So you, you're moving it to avoid the football code, the other football codes, but dropping it on the opening weekend of an international game. FFA Cup final this that weekend. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah you said that last week. Said that yeah, last yeah. week. Still stand by it. Mm. Have the FFA Cup final this weekend, and then uh, next weekend, this coming weekend, blitz launch. Yeah. Let's go for it. Yeah, but I mean, you know, even the A League launch itself—the hell was that? It was the, the provincial suburban ground in Melbourne with 
you know, I've seen more exciting Cub Scout jamborees. It's just that, not that I go around Cub Scout jamborees, <laughs> judging them on their uh, the merits. But um, it's it was really really disappointing and pretty shit house to be honest. Uh, I thought the Fox Sports launch that we went to on yeah, Thursday yeah. was actually a bigger deal than the official A League launches, mm. uh, and that's that's just crazy talk. I'm talking to the City game though I liked how Kamal came out after the game and said that he didn't think he played very well two, two, <laughs> two, two goals man of the match and, and he was just like I actually thought I didn't play very well <laughs> and, to, to be fair actually, he didn't yeah, I don't think he did no I mean it's good that he has self-awareness that's, that's, yeah. that's, that's rule number one in, any, in anything be self-aware he he was pretty up and down. I mean, he he got two goals, which is a, obviously a good return on paper. But yeah, watching. I mean, look. In fairness to him, the the entire game was was just a wet sail. Really, it was it was the exact kind of launch the A League didn't need. But um, yeah, I mean, FFA will be happy because City won. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. Watching what it was, it was crazy because everyone, of course, went up, went into the the round thinking, "Oh, the F three derby is going to be the bad one because it's Jets and Mariners. You know, mm. it's not going to be that good." And that that game was actually really good to watch. Yeah. So I mean, even goals aside for a sec, the, the two teams actually played some some really decent football as yep. well. So. Yeah. I, think, I think the others, I mean, going through the surprises off the opening round, poor launch, uh, poor opening crowd, Ray O'Donovan, Roy O'Donovan, Roy O'Donovan, Roy O'Donovan, <laughs> been watching too much TV, Roy yeah. O'Donovan. Um, a Mariners, I thought, impressed. Jets, hugely impressive. Sydney and Melbourne, I thought, was a real disappointment. I, I expected better from that. That was just a, a dire dirge of a game. Well, I mean, look, to be honest, City, uh, Sydney and Melbourne games are quickly becoming like that because the two, because Mel- Melbourne play the same strategy each time to counter Sydney, and Sydney just basically sit back for forty-five, absorb, and then they then they attack, and the, that, that's all they did last season. Yeah. So they, so both teams haven't changed their plans at all. Yeah. The, only, the only difference now is that, well, in that game anyway. Was a victory were missing for like four, four or five players yeah. in international duty, and Sydney were missing their two attacking fullbacks, where they generate most of their actual like exciting play from. Um, so it was pretty stock, yeah. pretty stock standard. When you can't, when you don't have those creative attacking individuals, you just go back to a physical game, and it gets very boring very quickly. I mean, I'm happy, I'm happy we won, but yeah, I'm not. That's not a game to remember. You know, I forgot it pretty quickly. <laughs> Talking of which, the uh, the Adelaide Phoenix game was a game to forget pretty much as well, and I'm very very surprised that Adelaide didn't really turn up for that, uh, given the fact that Phoenix were weakened by international duties, and Adelaide just looking so good in preseason uh, an FFA Cup. Mm. Uh, I just expected so much more. I, I thought they were going to whip Phoenix's arse. Uh, a one-one draw was a very good result for Phoenix. Um, and but yes, um, that kind of surprised me. And Western Sydney Wanderers, Hayden Fox in charge, uh, Championi. I know. Give him the job for life. Exactly. Socceroos coach? I reckon, oh, yeah. Sure. yeah. Sure. You, can, you can imagine him in the dugout in the suit, <laughs> surely. No, I mean... Fair, fair play to Wanderers. It's about time they learned how to actually recruit foreign players. So you know, after the Pia Vicari, you know, incidents and the Saba incidents, it's actually nice to see them recruit players who are exciting and can do stuff. Yeah, good for I them. Mean, but you kind of get the feeling that the entire recruitment policy was based around Carisco, who's gone. Mm. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, that was nice while it lasted. That was interesting at the Fox launch uh, last week when um, uh, Riera was being interviewed and they were, they were talking about, oh, so um, were you, did you come over for, for Popper? Was that, uh, and he was like, he, and I, I think he may be... Ciudo, I think, wasn't it? Was it not Ciudo? Rather than Riera? It was Riera, wasn't it? No, I think it was Ciudo. Oh, okay. Alvaro is Ciudo? Ryuda? Oh, yeah, the right. other one. The other one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway. Um, but basically, yeah, I think the question was maybe lost in translation a little bit, but it was just like, yeah, the coach is, is the main point of going anywhere, and then when you arrive and he's not there a week later, <laughs> um, it's just like, yeah, yeah. That's, mm-hmm. yeah, that's football. Yeah, uh, that killed the Moodstone dead, actually, at the time. Didn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah. So, oh, right, okay, that's a touchy subject. We'll move on. Um, Melbourne Derby next week. Well, this weekend, I'm coming. 
Um, I would like to think that Victory will be in a bit of a better shape. I think barely a shot on target last last week against Sydney, last weekend against Sydney. But um, yeah, you'd like to think that they they turn out their full squad. They'll have Milligan back, Troisi back. Has Milligan got any ankles left? <laughs> he seems to get hacked to he, death. He did. He really did. Uh, Thursday, at least, anyway. Mm. Uh, but yeah, uh, no, I think there will be a lot more uh, potent. Hopefully, mm. um, I'm not sure Cahill will be capable of playing a game after 120 minutes at yeah. ripe old age of 73 <laughs> <laughs> sorry 37 dyslexic it's easy to get the two mixed yeah. up um, but yeah if he is uh, beware he's in goal scoring form so another cracking weekend watch all the games live on Fox Sports and we will be speaking to you again next week we've got a few more chats in the can uh, and hopefully have a little chat with um, a Matilda it, uh, to come in. Oh, we've got a, a new issue coming out on Thursday uh, with a special feature on Sam Kerr, but also every new club's major signing, we speak to them to find out what they're all about and write lots of words about them for you to read, plus all the EPL big signings. It's an action-packed MA issue. Snap it up now. Thanks for tuning in. We will speak to you next week. See you later.